heart is torn in two. One side is rejoicing with those that are in his presence and the other side is wailing and weeping for those that won't get in it. For the Pharisees in the room. I don't know what to do about it. I feel his heart. I feel his love singing over the ones that sing with him. And I feel the brokenness of Jesus for those that just sit there and spectate. platform to do it. Jesus was the greatest preacher, the greatest worker of miracles. And he stood in crowds and even them, many of them just stood and criticized in the midst of the perfect preacher perfect pastor the miracle working Messiah they stood there and stayed outside if you're waiting on the platform you'll miss it completely I'm not Jesus we're not Jesus and even he did not have 100% participation they heard the kingdom of heaven was at hand and they left empty and broken like they walked in and I feel his heart this morning for those that come in here and choose to leave empty and broken I said choose the power of God is here in this place Jesus offered a cup, but he didn't make anyone drink it. Woe to those that would drink the cup and still deny his heart. Woe to the Judases who would drink the cup and still purpose to have it their way. who would still expect God to show up in their way. outside the door and don't sit at the table for those that sit outside and watch and criticize for every single critical comment of what's happening across the nation and 
Asbury and here and anywhere that they sit outside the table and they criticize what's been served. I feel his heart broken and I'm trying not to be angry, but I'm angry. There's a righteous anger in me that I'm trying to contain welling up in me as I see his heart hurting and broken for those he just wants to love but they're too critical they're too complacent they're too convenient they're too comfortable I look around the room I'm just going to be honest I know this is there's a brokenness in me right now stayed up all night and worshiped Jesus and I should be rejoicing with those who rejoice but I feel his heart and I don't know which way to go I want to rejoice with those that are rejoicing I want to rejoice with those that are in it but my heart is also broken for those that didn't even bother to show up for it who sit on the outside who split their families because they're complacent priority is not heaven whose priority is just making it through another week and getting another check and just surviving the week instead of letting heaven arrive in them and transform them who is partnered with their pain and my heart is split to see those here to call this home and see a move and decided today wasn't the day to show up. Just gonna be wrong. Jesus said things that was offensive. He said offensive things. He gathered crowds and then chased them away. So Lord, let me be more like you. Feel free to get up and leave. Feel free to walk up and flip me the bird if you want to. But they sh they message me and say, I want to go with you, Pastor, when you're pouring out in other places. But I don't see you sitting here on Sunday if it's not convenient. You messaged me, you didn't have any gas money, but I saw the bag of McDonald's that you bought and you could miss a meal. You made a priority call. I'm saying it. You made a priority call. That fast food was more important than heaven's food. That's fine if that's your call, but don't ask to go with me. I can't trust you. Don't ask me to pour out greater things on you. I can't trust you. Don't ask me to give you an impartation of what I carry. I can't trust you. sat back there and I saw people missing this morning and my heart's breaking I can't help it I'm sorry I'm not trying to be mean or critical some of you are present but you're really not here right now either and I said Lord 
I always said I won't stop anything that's happening in the room for the ones that aren't in it, but I'll continue for the ones that are. I'll always feed the ones that are hungry. I'll always put more food at those that are sitting at the table. Those are the ones I'll bring out more. The dessert is for them. So I won't ever stop because somebody's not in it. I won't. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sat back. I'm sorry. I'm being critical. I, I don't know what's happening. The enemy... I don't know if he's trying to depress me. I don't know if he's just trying to like steal my joy about what God is doing. It's not enough, fast enough for me. I don't know what's wrong. And I heard the Lord say, I know exactly what you're feeling because you're feeling what I felt in the garden. You're feeling what I felt in the garden when I asked Peter, will you just pray with me a little while? Will you just contend? Mark writes it this way in 14, 32. Then they came to a place whose name is Gethsemane. And Yeshua Jesus says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He takes with him Peter, Jacob, and John. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. I am deeply distressed and troubled, feeling his heart. And he tells them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and began praying that if possible, this hour might pass by him. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. There are too many in the church praying, God, line up your will with mine. Then he comes and finds them sleeping, and he tells Peter, Simon, you're asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying so that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus had just told Peter that he was going to deny him three times. And even though he had spoke that to him, he offers Peter a lifeline. He gives him the keys to resisting temptation, to seeing his call fulfilled and avoiding falling. He says to him, can you not keep watch? one hour keep watching and praying so you don't enter into temptation keep watching keep praying so you do not enter into temptation the keys of the kingdom right here to staying steady to keeping on the path that God has called you to to keep watching and praying pastor the service is too long that's why you're in temptation But Jesus, you're praying too long in the garden. That's why you're in temptation. Peter had a chance to stop what was coming if he just would have watched and prayed. Watched and prayed. Can you not even pray with me one hour? It doesn't say here that He got on to the other disciples. But Peter, 
who Satan had asked to sift. Some of you have been sifted. Some of you have been under the weight of the world. And you say, I don't know how to get out of it. And you're waiting on a man to give you a word. You're waiting on somebody to bring it to you. And God says, if you will just watch and pray, you'll avoid the temptation. church people don't fall asleep in the pews but there is a slumbering spirit in many and they've gone to sleep and they wonder why they can't get rid of the temptation even in my own life Lord where there's still temptation where there's still struggle where there's still lack in my life. Lord, why can't I overcome this? Why can't I defeat that? Why do I still have these bad thoughts? Why do I still get upset? Why, why do I still get an attitude? Because you haven't watched and prayed. You fell asleep when you should have been praying. You closed your eyes when you should have been watching me. Lord, let us stop taking our eyes off of you. Let us stop let us stop being silent and continue to communicate with you. Let us watch and pray so that we can see your move, so we can see your hand. Let us be worshipers. Let us be people that linger in your presence. I'm not trying to be critical. We just came back from Asbury, and I'll tell you all the good things about it in a minute. But I want you to understand we stood in line for four hours. We made it in. 1,700 people in the sanctuary. 1,000 people outside. How did we make it in when it was already full? 1,000 people had enough. 1,000 people couldn't contend for another hour. And so they left and we got to go in. We sat in there and it was a move. Was a move but we sat there for hours eight hours the first day because that's all we were allowed to eight hours and we watched the people to our left and our right come in and go out and come in and go out and come in and go out those that wouldn't contend for an hour myself there are certain things I just shouldn't respond to I saw a post today a new church opening up in Oklahoma City come join us for this church plant we're launching a new church join us on this date service will have worship and a word and it will last one hour I wanted to write on there and say please don't open this church don't need another fast food serving of heaven we don't need that anymore we need places that say as long as you'll stay I'll stay as long as you'll contend I'll contend Jesus as long as you're praying I'll pray with you as long as you're staying I'll stay with you as long as you'll press in I'll press in with you 
I'll keep watch on you. As long as you are there, I'm watching you. What we don't have is churches that will keep their eyes on Jesus anymore and watch and wait. Don't think I don't understand what I'm saying. I am not giving a word this morning that fills up my church. I will not have hundreds more come to service tomorrow. This is not a marketing strategy. It's not a church growth model. I could pay a professional to come in here that would just tell me, Pastor Ren, shut up. You want to grow your church? Shut it. Tell people they're loved. They are. You're loved. But he wants a happy marriage. He wants time with you. Me and my wife were talking about that last night, the difference between a quantity of time and quality of time. We're so busy in this season that we just don't have quantity. And we both understand that and accept it and we're okay with that. What I told her when we talked about was, I know we don't have quantity, but I will not sacrifice quality. If we don't have quantity, I want quality. I want quality. I want that quality. And people come and they just don't want quality. They don't want an intimate encounter. They don't want the quality. Is your heart longing for quality time with the Lord? Or are you content that you just put in minutes? I put in the time, I showed up, I was there. Or is there a hunger in you for an intimate, deeper encounter of the Lord? See, Jesus gathered 5,000 and then they were hungry in the natural. And so he fed them. He fed the 5,000. It says that he did a miracle and multiplied the bread and the fish. And everyone was eat and satisfied. And when they saw that he could provide that, they saw the glory of heaven on his life. They chased him down, it says, to make him king. To make him king because this man who could bring bread out of nothing... This man who could break the curse of Adam. Adam was cursed to toil the ground and to labor for what the resources came out of it. And this man did not need to labor. He could take little and multiply it without labor. The man that could break the curse of Adam toiling the ground. And they said this man must be king. And he let him know you're chasing the wrong food. Eat my body, drink my blood, he said. And they were shocked, confused, bewildered, and they left. And he chased them away. He grew his church down. Thousands gathered. It says that 500 saw his resurrection. Not just the miracle, 500 he showed himself to, resurrected. 500 accounts of the risen Savior where people say, I saw, I watched him. Yet when we get to the book of Acts 
and the fire of the Holy Spirit falls, it falls on 120. Not 5,000. Not 500. But only 100. We don't know how many showed up on day one, but we know how many were left on day 10. 120 received the outpouring because they just were not done pressing. They received the oil because they had been pressed. Because for 10 days, they listened to the word of the Lord where Jesus said, wait for me and I'll clothe you in power. And they believed it, so they waited. They watched and prayed. You see, Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. He denied him and Jesus gave him an out in the garden and he missed it. So 50 days later, don't you know he stayed that whole 10 days? Not one hour, 10 days. Something in him shifted. I missed it the first time. He wanted me to pray one hour and I couldn't watch and pray for one hour. Lord, I won't give up. You said if I wait, you clothe me in power and I didn't make it the hour, but I'll make it this time. No matter the wait, no matter the cost. And he waited for 10 days until glory fell. He would have waited a hundred more. There was a hunger in him to say, I will not go through that again. I don't want to feel that way. Most of the church is just waiting on the sermon to end. I saw thousands of people waiting in 24 degree weather while it snowed on and off, freezing, because they wanted a glimpse of what was happening. I want you to understand what happened. Healing did not break out in Asbury. Glory did not fall. There wasn't oil showing up on people's hands. We see more of an outpouring of the miraculous here on a normal Sunday than what's happening in Asbury. What happened is people heard people were waiting. That they were just waiting. That they were gathering in an upper room and contending that they just weren't done yet. And they said, well, if they're not going to be done, we'll show up and we won't be done either. There is a remnant in the church rising in this age. There is a remnant. It's like, I feel like Elijah right now where I'm saying, Lord, I'm all alone. Lord, there's nobody. I'm all alone. I've been chased into a cave and they want to kill me. There's no one left who's faithful. God took me to Asbury and said, see, I still got 5,000. Like he told Elijah, there's 5,000 faithful ones. They're here. Well, where are they, Lord? Well, they're just not in your church. But they're here. There's the faithful ones. They're not in your circle. I'm not saying I don't have them in my church. Don't hear me wrong, please. There are faithful, and I saw that. There are people in our country that are desperate for a move of God. Here was the difference, what I saw. They didn't show up for healing. They didn't show up for a prophetic word from a prophet. 
They didn't show up for a good word. I want you to get it. All the keyboard warriors were bashing them for the first few days because they said it can't be a move of God because the gospel wasn't being preached the first few days. It's a Christian seminary. I I want that to sink in for a second. It is a Christian seminary where ministry students are worshiping. And they're criticizing it that they didn't get any word. That is a different level of stupid. That's all they get all day long. But when people from the public started showing up, guess what they did? They started preaching the word. They started sharing the gospel. They started giving salvation calls. People were criticizing it saying, this isn't a weird word for God because nobody's giving a salvation call to a bunch of college students who have made a choice to go to school to be professional pastors. But no one gave a salvation call. There is a critical spirit. I don't know what you're carrying this morning. I just want to say this. If you have a critical spirit, repent. Repent. If you have a complacent spirit, repent. Right now. If you have a I'll wait and see attitude, repent right now. If you have a I don't want to contend, I don't want to press in, I don't want to do it one more hour, repent right now. If you're waiting on me to say something articulate to move your heart so that you will, and you say, well, Pastor Ren, if you just draw it out of me, then I'll do it. If you can make me cry, if you can hit my emotion, then I will repent for idolizing me and what I'm about to say, for showing up here just to hear me speak, for hearing I'm out of town and not showing up, repent. If you heard I wasn't going to be here on a Sunday so you decided to skip, repent. Repent or go find somewhere else. Don't come back here ever again. I'm being serious. I want 120 that'll fight. That'll contend. That'll press in. I'm not telling you if you didn't show up, you got to go. What I'm saying is repent. Tell the Lord you're sorry for making it about a man. just think you'll be happier there. Repent. If you show up on Sunday and you just go, well, I'm here. At least I showed up. If that's your attitude, you need to repent. Why am I saying that? Because there's a move of God coming. And the fire and the wind that's coming right now is available to those that are in that lane, that are in that room, that are in that moment, that are repentant and ready. Peter repented. I want you to catch it. I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm not criticizing you. Peter denied him three times. I'm only calling out your one. And Peter repented. And the next chance he got, he fixed it. And the fire of God came on him. And he stood up 
and said, this is that which the prophet Joel, he didn't miss that moment. He missed the moment where Jesus shed blood. He didn't show up at the cross. And he was asleep in the garden when Jesus was so pressed that a single drop, a drop of his blood entered the atmosphere. He missed the moment. You see, they waited for a Messiah that would come, that would take away the curse of Adam and Eve. They waited for that curse that came in when Adam and Eve fell in a garden of Eden. And in a moment of pressing, Jesus in a garden restored what was lost in a garden. Jesus became the last Adam to restore what was lost by the first Adam. In a garden, he was pressed. In a garden, his blood was shed to restore what was stolen in a garden. And Peter missed the moment. He had a chance to witness it. Jesus hung on a cross and died to pay for our sin, to put us in right relationship. And Peter missed that moment. He, re- he stayed away from it. He was too busy feeling his own guilt, shame, and condemnation. He was too busy beating himself up for what he had done. I'm not beating you up. If you missed it, so what? Well, Pastor Renlund, all you're doing is telling us we missed it. So what? Just turn your heart back to the Father, repent, and let him heal it, and move forward into the fire he's called you to walk in. Man, I'm not getting any applause today, huh? not because there was an open portal over Asbury drawing all men in not because the Shekinah glory cloud of God showed up in Asbury people showed up because they heard that other people were seeking his heart were seeking his face and they wanted to be around a bunch of people that just didn't want to quit they had a desire to see what it looked like when the church would just press nobody showed up for what he had in his hand they showed up for what he had in his heart they didn't want what was in the hand of God the miracles, the signs and wonders they didn't want the hand of God they wanted the heart of God I didn't hear anybody tell me I showed up here because I'm just hoping for a miracle they said I showed up here because I heard God was here and I heard there were people here that were pulling him down. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a room full of people that won't stop worshiping his name. 
I want to see that once in my life. All the cynical stuff and all the news cycle and all the garbage and all the junk in our world, the hate and the hurt. I want to see a room full of people that have joy and will not stop. What a beautiful sight. What a hopeful sight. Someone uploaded my live to YouTube, not my YouTube. They they took my live and uploaded it. Got like 160,000 views in one day, not on mine. But people commented it over and over again. This gives me hope in a dark world. I see all the garbage happening, but now I have hope that the church is not done. That the church hasn't given up and quit. Everybody is always talking about, I want revival, I want to see revival, I want to go. People want to go to a revival, but revival is not a place. It's a man named Jesus. Revival is a man named Jesus asking you to worship him. Revival lives and dies in your heart and yours alone. Revival stops when you do. The definition of being dead is when your heart stops. You know, your brain's still firing. But the definition, the clinical definition of being dead is your heart stops. All of us are two minutes away from being dead. Every time you take a breath, you give yourself another two minutes. Some of us just stop breathing for a minute and we need revival. We need the breath of God to come back into us. You don't need it once a week. You don't even need it once an hour. You need it every two minutes. You need the breath of God to keep you alive. And some of us have allowed that to die off. Revival, revive us, bring us back to life. So whether it's a revival or an awakening, maybe they're just slump. Some of us are just slumbering. We're just not paying much attention. Some of us are dead and need to be revived. And the breath of God brings that. And what we release out of our mouth, the breath of God is in us. So when we release praise, when we release worship, when we declare his name, the breath of God is renewed in our spirit and we come alive one more time. sense him the time is serious for the Lord has shown me that the time is serious it's not a time to play or placate your responsibility because we're in a season of outpouring it is a season of outpouring it's a season of harvest Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to Pharisees to determine what's real and what's not. When you see someone on the outside, not in revival, tell you what revival is, tell them to zip it. When I see you leading a revival, you can give me the definition of one. When I see you steward a move of God, you can tell me what God moving looks like.
I don't know how to tell the coach of the Chiefs how to win a Super Bowl. They should have ran a play. Right? They should have ran that time instead of throwing. What do I know? I can't couch quarterback an NFL team into victory, but I think that I can tell the kingdom of heaven how to win. Oh, woe is me that thinks myself so great that I can tell God how he should strategize. That he should listen to me. Or honestly, that anybody else should. That I should go and tell Asbury or any of the other universities or the other places where revival is breaking out. I should go in there and tell them how it should look. Woe to a church that think they have the right perspective. God, I don't have any perspective. I don't know what it should look like. I just know it should look like you. want you to understand what's happening so I, I had a word that I released and I'm going to release this word about what's coming in our nation and what's happening right now on February 5th Sunday night on February 5th Sunday night after party I began to speak to the Lord and the Lord began to speak to me and he gave me a word I wrote it down and he says I want you to travel around and I want you to hold some meetings and they're not the fire brand you're used to when you get up and preach fire he says but these are intimate encounters where the spirit of the Lord is just allowed to sovereignly move I want you to catch this not where it's about your preaching but where you just come with other believers and allow my spirit just steward my spirit in the room and I want you to go around and bring these meetings says I want you to do I, I saw I saw highlighted the only one I saw highlighted was California I assumed it means the first I'm assuming that part and then other places and he says and I want you to call it the outpouring he was very specific to call it the outpouring on February 7th my leaders gathered in this very room and I shared that vision with them. Can my leaders testify that's true? Just give me an amen if you heard me say it. Did that happen on February 7th? And I called it the outpouring. I sent text messages to the leaders that aren't here. I'm supposed to set up these meetings. I know I need to do one in California. We're calling it the outpouring. It will be a sovereign move of God just moving in the room without without uh, me bringing it with my preaching it'll be something new something different on February 7th from the word God gave me on February 5th and on February 8th 19 students met in a chapel at Asbury University and asked God to do something and Asbury University started doing 24-hour worship and they posted it on their website and they called it the outpouring. 
one day after I revealed that to my leaders and what God was saying was coming for our nation. There is an outpouring. God has revealed it to me and you're in the room. It's available for you. It's been entrusted here. And I said, God, why would you not want me to start here at home? I've been hard on you enough. I won't answer that. But he didn't ask me to start it here. He didn't ask me to hold the first outpouring here. He told me to bring it back here. Revival looks like. And if I don't know what it looks like, you don't know what it looks like. You say, Well, I've been in one. Well, great. Doesn't mean that's what revival is. That's what that revival was. I went to Brownsville. Great. That's what that revival was. I was in Toronto. That's what that revival was. I was in Azusa Street. Well, you're really old. God has extended your life past the 120 just a little. No, right at it. Right at 120. If you're in Azusa Street, we just want to say goodbye to you now. See, don't say I was mean. I made jokes. feel worse, but I feel a whole lot better now. I just had to get some stuff off my heart. I don't know what revival looks like. I don't know what it is, but I just told the Lord, said, Lord, whatever you're doing, I just want to steward whatever you do. I don't care if it's labeled. I don't care if it's nationally known. I don't care what it is. I just want to see people transform. And here's the truth. There's a group of people around me that would say, I don't know what a room full of revival or a movement of revival looks like, but revival has happened in me. There are people that go with me everywhere that I can tell you for sure they are in revival. We travel in a car and are in revival. We show up to places and we bring revival. There is revival in each one of us. And I watch it transform one at a time. I wish the movement would catch on where it was a multitude, but I'll take the one at a time. And I'll travel with those in revival, but here's what I won't do. You can't ask me to raise you up in your calling when your idea of a calling is convenience. People say, Pastor, I want to go with you. Let me just, I'm going to make this real clear for you. You want to go with me on one of these ministry trips? I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge the fruit of your life before I take you and trust you with my ministry. With what God has trusted me with that I might trust you with. I'm being very plain. I'm not being judgmental. There's a difference between judgmental and judgment. Judgment can mean you're free to go. 
can mean you're innocent of all charges. Judgmental is always condemning. But I will not raise people up in a calling when they are Christians of convenience. If church is important as long as it's convenient, don't go with me. Here's what I'll say. Don't pull on me. Don't ask me for a meeting. Don't ask me to pour into your life. Well, Pastor Ren, I just, I just want to spend some time. Can I, can I have a meeting with you? Where were you on Sunday? Oh, well, no, you can't have a meeting with me. That sound harsh? There are people here who my time will raise them up and to do great things in the world. And that's where I'm going to put my time. Not into those who have talent. In fact, here's the truth. My time is badly spent in people who have talent. Because they rely on their talent. My time is going into those that are hungry and that will do something with what I give them. Pastor Rick, can I go with you? Where were you on Sunday? Well, I was busy. Can't go. Pastor Ren, will you spend some time with me and raise me up? Where were you on Sunday? Well, I was there on Sunday. Where were you on Wednesday? Where were you for men's group? Where were you? Who, who are you pouring into? Who are you raising up? Who are you discipling? Who are you being? Who are you? Where are you serving? What do you do here? Well, I don't. I, I want to do it with you when you go places, but you won't do it here. not even pray with me one hour can you not even keep watch and pray if I can't see your hour here then I can't give you an hour there but here's what I want to say because I know I know I'm being mean I get it I, I, I get it I'm mad at myself I will raise you up. I will pour every last drop of what I have available in me out to you to see God do something with your life, to use you in a powerful way, to transform others. When I see that you'll take whatever I have to give, whatever I have to impart, and you'll use it, multiply it, and give it away, I will give you every last drop of what I have. I will plant into what I see as good soil. I will pour in. And Lord, take out of me any cynicism that would keep me from pouring into people. Lord, don't let me, don't let me give up on the Peters. Because they did it three times. I don't want to give up on you because you didn't show up three times because you didn't do what you said you were going to do three times. I don't want to give up on you. My heart is broken. My heart is hurt. But I'm not giving up on you. I'm giving you a call to step into more, to see things greater. Pastor Ren, I got a job. Yeah, do your job. I'm not telling you to live up here at the altar for the rest of your life. 
I'm just saying, take the time seriously. Press in. Don't slumber in your hour. The Lord is asking you to watch and pray. Revelations chapter 8. Now when the Lamb opened up the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. The place of continual praise fell silent for a half an hour. I want you to picture John the Revelator jotting down Revelation. just standing in heaven while it's dead silent for half an hour. Kind of awkward. Sometimes the sound of heaven sounds like nothing. And sometimes it comes with a roar. Don't try to make heaven have to look and sound like you think. Then I saw the seven angels who stood before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden incense burner. He was given much incense to offer up along with the prayers of all of the saints upon the golden altar before the throne. You have incense being offered by angels and prayers being offered placed into golden bowls at the altar of the throne of heaven mixed together heaven and earth mixing the scent of heaven and the scent of the prayers and praise of the saints your praise is a sweet aroma to me your part, your prayers are part of the ingredients. You're a part of the recipe of heaven's incense. You are a part of the recipe of heaven's altars. Oh, this is so good. Prayers of the saints of the golden throne that went before the golden throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the incense. So he places the incense into the golden bowls, into the altar. Then the angel took the incense burner and filled it with fire from the altar. Something transformed. It was incense and it was prayers and it was put in a bowl and fire came into it. And it was ignited. God gave me a word in March of 2020. He showed me an angel in front of a bowl. I had never understood this scripture or even remembered it. And there was a golden bowl and flames 12 foot tall were coming out of it. And a 12 foot tall angel was just gently moving his wings, stoking the flame. And he kept looking to the throne and I thought, what is he looking for? And there were 12 saints in a row, five rows. And the angel was just keeping the flame going. I didn't know it was the incense and the prayers. I just knew what I was seeing. It would take me a week for a pastor friend of mine to say, that's, that's Revelation 8 you're seeing. That happened on a beach in California, and that's significant. In March of 2020. 
And at the right moment, the angel looked to God and he gave him the okay to release what was in the bowls. And the angel violently flapped his wings and embers began to blow out of the fire and it hit the row of 12 saints. These were not heavenly saints. These were not dead men gone before us. These were saints on the earth having a heavenly visitation. And the embers hit them and they ignited on fire and raised their hands. And when the fire came on them, their hands went up in worship. And when their hands went up in worship, the row behind them caught fire. And when they caught fire, they put their hands up in worship. And as soon as their hands went worship, the next row, and the next row until there was five. And when the fifth row raised their hands, another row appeared. And then another row, and another row, and another row, until there was a multitude too great for me to count. And God says, I'm releasing embers and fire on the earth in this season. There is an outpouring coming. Because it says that when these bowls are filled, that it's poured back out on the earth. And the burner and filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were clashes of thunder and rumblings and flashings of lightning and earthquakes. Prayers poured out became thunder and lightning and earthquakes. There is a shaking. Someone said, well, that, that's end day stuff. Prayers became lightning. Prayers and incense became earthquakes. Do not discount your prayer as being arbitrary or weak. It has the ability to shake a nation. It certainly can shake a city. But it's got to start shaking this church. Flashes of lightning. Rolls of thunder. What was a prayer got lit on fire and poured back out until there was a multitude. And God spoke to me and said, I'm pouring something out in this season. I released that word to a pastor sitting on a beach in Santa Cruz, California. And two months later, Saturate OC, Jesse Green, began revivals on a beach in California, in Huntington Beach. And Sean Foyt showed up and led worship for and said, we need to do this more, and began, let us worship. A few months later, Jesse Green took that exact movement to the exact beach that I had released the word to that exact pastor with that pastor. with the same pastor. But I knew the word wasn't done yet. That was just the birthing of the word. It was the sprouts of what God was growing, the seeds that God had planted in revival. But I know that we are in the time now. It's the season now of revival. It's the season now where what was planted and what's been uprooted and what's been showing is beginning to fruit. There is fruit coming. There is something for you to taste and see in this season. And I don't want you to miss it. Don't be mad at You can be mad at me. I don't care. Don't be mad at God because he broke my heart. You can be mad at me that I'm a little angry because you hurt my groom. What do they call those Bridezillas. 
the dress fits. everything else look we're in good order I let you express yourself Pastor Ren are we free here absolutely so I can blow the shofar yeah but not from the back nobody needs a heart attack when you blow it behind their head like we we can be free and love each other at the same time right you could cry the person next to you shouldn't look at you and go Stop crying, I'm trying to listen. We can make room. We can see a move. But only if we're hungry for ourselves and hungry for our neighbor. Look, I got Jesus. I'm full. I cried out to him today, he filled me up. I'm good. I don't need to be up here. I got mine. I'm not up here for me. I certainly am not up here to help me grow my church this week. I'm up here for you. I'm up here contending for you. The same way I get onto my kids so that they'll have a successful life getting on to you because I love you if I didn't love you I just tell you you're doing great go make sure to give I love you enough to tell you these things because I want to see you walk in victory 
I want to see you walk in the room and hell get scared. I want to see demons flee when your footstep makes a thunderous noise. I want to stand up here and see your prayers rise up, fill a bowl, and fall on that side when you prayed from that side. well I'm just here to sit in the pew and you don't realize that your prayer from the back is pouring out on the front and your prayer from the front is pouring out on the back and somebody else is catching a fire because you raised your hands someone else is catching a fire because you bent your knees somebody else is catching a fire because you opened your mouth and released the breath of heaven somebody else is catching a fire because you haven't Fires are contagious. They're meant to spread. All they need is a little oxygen. All they need is a little breath put on them. Something to fan the flame. See, God has given us a flame, and it's our job to fan that flame into something life-changing. Glory, God. God, take the little flame that I have in me and fan it. Fan it into something turn it into an inferno burn down every bit of my flesh burn down every bit of my pride burn down every bit of my priorities that are not in line with you we need your fires fan the embers in my heart and the oil Lord pour your oil and then light me up I need oil. I need combustion. I need something flammable on my life. I need your outpouring. I need the glory of heaven to something. Make me tender for the kingdom of heaven. Make me a torch that will light the darkness. Let me be the flame of heaven that will chase away the cold. on social media had to say than what heaven was saying. Lord, I'm sorry for the times in my life, the places where I said, I don't want to. 
Lord, forgive me for the places where I wasn't willing to meet the least of these. Lord, forgive me for the times I've walked by the one that you called me to speak to. Forgive me, Lord, for the times where I've stayed silent, where if all I would have done is raise my hand, somebody else would have caught it. Some of you just need to make that a repentance. Lord, forgive me for being quiet in your church because I was afraid what others around me might say. Lord, forgive me for the times I slept in because I was more comfortable than Christian. I was more comfortable than Christ-like. Lord, forgive me for the times that I showed up, but I didn't want to. Lord, forgive me for the times where I stood up and preached on mornings I didn't even want to preach. I'm not going to pat myself on the back because I got obedient. Lord, I'm sorry that I wasn't there to start with. I'm sorry for when I feel like I'm full and I'm not hungry and thirsty anymore. Lord, I'm sorry where I thought that a move of God in my own church would validate my ministry. Lord, let me just be the move of God. Just move in me. The story of my life is God moved in me. I'm content and I'm sorry for when I haven't felt that way. Sorry for where your presence was not enough. that shows up to church that I'm happy. Sorry, Lord, for where I've been greedy and wanted to keep you all to myself. Sorry, Lord, for I've been afraid of a man's reaction, so I didn't share your love. Sorry, Lord, where I've been so distracted or so busy that I didn't see. We're so busy doing what I wanted to do that I fell asleep on the assignment. Sorry, Lord, for where I've doubted. I've resisted. I'm sorry. I'm not repenting for you. This is my repentance. Do your own or don't. It's none of my business. sorry for the times that I felt your spirit in worship and I decided to sit down because my feet hurt 
knowing that yours was nailed to the cross so I could worship. Sorry when my hands should have been up, but I put them down because they were a little tired and yours were nailed for my sin. sorry for the times I raised my hand so it would look like I'm good at worshiping. I'm sorry for when it wasn't authentic. Lord, teach me to sit down when I'm not being genuine. Teach me to stand up when you're moving my heart. I don't want it to be for show. up with you that I refuse to take captive. I don't have to repent for the thought entering, but I do have to repent for keeping it, for entertaining it. The enemy enters thoughts, but entertainment belongs to me. So Lord, I just worship you. Like you said to Isaiah in chapter 6, he says, who am I? as he stood in the presence of God, that he might die. And he was repentant, for I'm full of sin. And an angel came and touched his lips with the coal from the altar. And at once he was purified. Lord, touch us with your fire. Your fire purifies. It calls us to repentance. It makes us holy so that we can go it puts us on mission it sends us out it releases the glory and the purity of heaven so that we can walk in what you've called us to make us a holy people so we can be an assignment people Lord you've called us to move forward into promised places called it a promised land because of a promise and you called it a holy land because of a holy people make us holy so we can walk into a holy land make us holy so we can walk into a promise so we lay it down we don't leave here with any of it let your purity and righteousness be the start of something in our life the fire of heaven fresh out for We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.